0: No, no,
1: It's Patrick McDaniel. Oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, I haven't seen him in a long time, so it's like a cartoonist moment here. <laughs> anyway, uh, I got to run down like three flights of stairs to, to open the, you know, to answer the door because I don't have an intercom. Uh. And it's like a New York brownstone, <laughs> you know. And I'm 71 years old, so <laughs> uh, I'm in great shape, though. Believe me. I believe, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, people see people as old as me, and they they think they need more help, and I always have to tell them, I'm old, but I'm not feeble, you know?
2: (laughs) Well, I had uh, Kim Deitch in Vancouver last summer um, during the crazy show, and I think he's probably around the same age, and we went on a big, long walk through downtown Vancouver, catching up with him and watch him go and spend an hour in a bookstore.
1: (laughs) He's actually younger than me, but... a a few years but we do you know we do cut these like small increments of time you know by saying well I'm older than you are you know
2: (laughs) (laughs) a young buck
1: yeah well he you know he's he's still like a grown up hippie that's for sure oh yeah
2: no he he
1: is (laughs) and I'm a a grown up beat so like there's there is right away a a golf and he went to Pratt too for a little while like three years oh I didn't even know that yeah
2: I should know that i Talked to him for about did a three hour interview with him a couple of years ago. That was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, so I don't know him that well. I mean, personally, but I, but I you know, I read about him, and I you know, when we meet, we know each other. We we talk a little bit, but, um, you know.
2: he's fascinating. Very oh, fascinating.
1: Yeah. I, I, from what I've read, you know, in his interviews and things, he God, what a life. I you know that whole thing about Jack being so sedentary. Um, People assume that I'm living a life other than that. (laughs) 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 Not true, man. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing happens here. I mean, you know, uh, this is my my uh, earthly plan. You know, (laughs) nothing will happen. Well, so that's
2: that's
1: so that's the real truth behind Jack. It's me for sure. You know, even my father did more. You know, I'm sure. Oh yeah, the whole family right away. He did more. But um, but the notion is that uh, that I th- that I haven't you know had this kind of historic even though I've lived through these historic periods I've always been on the fringes of them in the sense of participation and whatever.
2: more of an observer.
1: Yeah, but uh, absorber is probably a better word. You know?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and your and your work is your sponge. Yeah, Any kind of the the remnants in there of what comes out
1: yeah right yeah i i definitely my brain is a sneaky sponge that's for sure i mean that's one of the reasons why i uh, i can't go to original art shows and things like that because my brain just brings it all back with me and i you know i have these phantoms you know haunting my my mind that i'd rather not um be there so my work can be at least closer to who i am you know um and and being the super collector that i am in my own brain anyway uh it's not not a good combination so i i i tend not to be um if i'm involved in something like now i i cannot look at comics you know because i'm so connected to them now at a point when i was not doing comics i could look at comics you know what i'm saying there? yeah no, I.
2: I and, and I've heard that from musicians who, like, I'll have friends that do, like, really, I guess, industrial is the term. And when they're not working on their own music, they'll sit and listen to blues.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, yeah. old blues, because it's, like, not what
1: whole, they're steeped in. Right. A whole other genre, whatever. Yeah. Cello music or something, right?
2: Yeah. A little yo yo ma.
1: Yeah.
2: Um,. I trying to remember where we were right before we had the little break, I
1: talking about the uh, we're t- talking about the the difference between the r- the printed version uh, uh of complete Jack revised versus the raw mm-hmm. black and whites and how you
2: And we're talking about the the linkages between the comic conventions.
1: Oh oh yeah, right. Yeah. And and that that I had um i got this nea grant the only thing i ever got in my life it was so easy to apply for back in that day and i got it and you know which was like i think it was seventy five hundred bucks or whatever so i i i went i rented a house in the country and um and i got a car i mean i hadn't had a car in years and i loved my car when i was a kid um so i was now exposed to the real world outside of new york and um I was getting a paper every day, and it was t- t- sad how, how the comic strips had been reduced down to nothing at that point from what I remember in the 50s. And uh, I began to look forward to seeing Nancy, you know, which was a comic strip I really despised as a kid. You know, it was like, how good can this be? You know, it's like stupid <laughs> uncle jokes, you know, whatever. And, um, <clears throat> and I began to actually look forward to it. And I, ironically, uh, Patrick was in my class. Patrick McDonald was in my class at that time. And I, I came to school, and I commented to him, you know, very very secretly and very quietly. I said, Patrick, I, I'm actually enjoying Ernie Bushmiller's Nancy, you know. Is there something wrong with my mind? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I trusted him, because his taste is so exquisite. You, you know, I, I mean, he knew all about Crazy Cat. and Yeah, wrote that, the book. Yeah, for, for Abrams. And uh, so I, uh, you know, he reassured me that I wasn't losing my mind, you know, that, that it was, but he was, he was kind of quiet about it himself. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, it was from that, that perspective that I was beginning to see that there were, there were these, like, hidden other levels of, of things uh, in the comics. They weren't just, like, the superficial surface. And then when I actually talked to Bushmiller on the phone, uh, I realized, no, th- he really was kind of superficial, you know. <laughs> 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 I mean, he's a sweet man and everything, and very, you know, self effacing and stuff. But um, he, uh, you know, uh, I, I knew I couldn't go into the subtleties of, of my Jack character at that point. That was so much would have to have been explained, even though he was a big influence, I mean, graphically and, and otherwise uh, at that point. But nonetheless, um, I started doing uh, a secret comic strip, and again, Patrick is responsible for Jack because he being the only person I had any contact with who had real passion for for comics that I had, would see on a weekly basis, you know, my class and stuff, and he'd be over here. Uh, I, uh, I invited him to see this, this page I'd done of, of a character I called Middleman at the time, and he came over and he fell on the floor laughing, you know? <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I just thought, wow, you know, this is great. I mean, I usually get these with my art in my paintings, I, I get these kind of like, you know, long, quiet moments of... <laughs> of
2: Contemplation. <laughs> <hunting. and laughs>
1: yeah, right. Stroking of the chin. Uh, let's look at it this way. Let's stand back over here. You know, it was, none of that shit was going on. So... <laughs> It, 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 was, it was terrific, you know, and I said, like straight to the to the gut, you know. I mean, it's like, whoa, it's funny, it's not funny. I'm on the floor, I'm standing up, whatever, and uh, so that gave me kind of like uh, a sense of let's do some more of those, you know. Yeah, I want to crack Patrick up some more, you know, and um, you know that was that was it. that that really got to me. And then someone called once and said to me once uh the, the strip had been out a few times um, how, how's Jack doing you know I mean instead of, like, how's your painting going and whatever they asked how this person that they didn't know I mean they didn't, no one knew my father I mean you know uh, so it, it also made it very personal like they weren't asking how's my art going you know with capital A they're asking how's Jack you know <laughs> I mean that, that, that's 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 folks, you know what i mean that's that's not um that's not the art world in New York, and I've always been kind of like even though I've been in New York fifty years i've I always felt kind of like a small town guy yeah, never really lived here you know I've always been here, <laughs> and I don't belong back in my hometown anymore that's for sure I mean, so you know it's kind of nice that I'm you know kind of remnant of Twilight Zone here in New York City, you know
2: it's funny the um the other interview I'm doing today with this guy uh, Jeff Lemire, uh, one of his books is uh, about a small town farm guy uh, moving to Toronto to go play hockey and stuff, and it's really neat observations about I guess like the city swallowing him mm-hmm. and like not him enjoying the city, but kind of being inhaled by it. Mm-hmm. So it's just a little yeah. in- interesting juxtapositions there between the
1: yeah, like, two ideas. I, I, I think it gives you uh, either objectivity or you completely um, give in to all of the superficialities. You all know, like uh, you get you get um, caught up in all of the you know the constant carnival of it that can be available to you. I, I step back. I'm I'm a loner type anyway, so I I've been able to observe it through sound and sight as opposed to like other senses. Um, you know Go to my jazz things Or whatever But I'm I'm, I'm completely uh, Involved in Everything being reproduced Anyway So I don't even Leave the house for that You know It's all gotta be On CD Or MP3 Or, or Gotta be You know Netflix Or in um, books Instead of paintings You know Books of paintings if I, if I want paintings I'm not gonna go To the gallery for them I'm gonna go to Find a book On Amazon Or someplace And get that You know and that that does what I need, you know. I mean, it really it really opens my. The idea stays intact without the theater, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the idea versus the theater. I'm I'm completely anti theater guy, you know. That um, I mean, this is where Gary and I, Gary Panther and I, would would probably disagree deeply. Uh, the theater absorbs too many senses.
2: Well, me. he he's all about overloading the senses, so that is. what he's doing with his work
1: yeah, with the light shows, with the music, with the whole you know, and Richard McGuire too, probably, you know And and whereas I'm so limited to the, you know, maybe the sight and maybe the sound, but never together I mean, music videos completely, you know confuse me, you know uh, with what senses are, are operating, and so I have this kind of like you know, if I can have a tactile relationship with it by virtue of of the idea level i mean i'll get the essence out of a movie if i see it on my 24 inch tv screen you know i mean if it's a good movie it's still a good movie yeah because the idea is intact and i'm not getting caught up in 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 the theater of it which is like you know the audience around me or whatever um same with music i mean i I, I find things that are, are kind of sensory-specific, you know, that... So, so comic books and, and, and reproduced art, especially today when reproduction's so amazing. Mm-hmm. God. And cheap. Besides, um, you have to say, you know, what more do I need? Do I have to go to the gallery and see the original? No. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I went to this Basil Wolverton show um, in New York, and all of a sudden I realized You know, I actually saw the originals This guy, Glenn Bray Who was a huge collector in Los Angeles
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Alvin took me to his Alvin, born in Fatura Took me to his house And I saw all those things Did not realize the show was his stuff, you know <laughs> So I go to the gallery And I, I'm looking at it You know, I'm, I'm thinking This is so, so nothing to me Yeah know? If I saw the book of this I, w- I would be like overwhelmed, you know Because it would be in my lap In my house And I would be It would be
2: a personal experience
1: Yeah, it would be all my own Kind of, you know My own coffee My own whatever And uh, I find that's A focusing thing for me That really works And I The distractions uh, I can get caught up in it You know, I have a very You know Low threshold for Being distracted
2: It's funny, like the, the the argument you're presenting there, I've kind of had, from two different angles, kind of discussions of that, like, one person, Ted Stern, as mentioned earlier, talked about um, kind of a problem with the whole exclusivity concept of art, of the whole gallery system, and how, um, you know, it creates, like, a class barrier... Um, and then another conversation I was having with this guy, Marv Newland, who did the uh, Bambi Meets Godzilla cartoon back in the, I guess, 60s? uh
1: uh-huh.
2: um, You know, big groundbreaking thing. Um, who lives in Vancouver now. Uh, we were talking about, he was saying how kind of a loss of that experiment experiential idea, because he got into animation by going to these big film festivals of all this crazy animation, mm-hmm. and how now you wouldn't have that same kind of experience and you wouldn't, as would be as involved in that, where it would just be like, yet another thing kind of passing through Mm. on the TV.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, animation's another thing. Still people doing animation, uh, um, I find that... the fact that comics is the closest thing to illusion of movement without actually
0: moving—that's
1: mm-hmm. a fascination to me. You know, because I've always been jealous of, of movies and music for the for those reasons. That both of them have time and movement involved in them. And and being a still image guy, you know, kind of like, whoa, I want that too, please. You know, but but the illusion of that, not the fact that you know, not the actual movement. You know, and so so when people. Make their comics move. I mean, that was originally done not moving. Uh, I I always find that it kind of like extra theater and not really important. But when it's an original act of animation, um, I, you know, just recently I, I, I rented this uh, movie called Renaissance. It's like black and white. Um, they've they got it down to uh, black and white um, motion studies with people who are those 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 lights on their on their the actors wear those lights on them Mm -hmm. and they they film them and and they've gotten it down to black and white motion and it's like unbelievable I mean it looks like the greatest comic ever you know I mean just (laughs) I mean you know way past Sin City and that stuff just unbelievable you gotta see that movie Renaissance it's a French film made a couple of years ago what kind
2: of makes me think of like is it very similar to like rotoscoping
1: well yeah it is But it's not animation It, it is so fluid and, and no grades left in it at all It's black and white uh, It is um, uh, uh, And the film itself Is a, is it kind of like a take off On Blade Runner And whatever And I'm not a sci-fi fan But I do love I love Blade Runner I mean it just Blew me away um, Well
2: that's a debate Of whether or not Philip K. Dick counts As science fiction
1: Oh okay <laughs> Uh well, it, you know the idea good then you know I, I guess I'm still pure uh, not so great science fiction <laughs> I like aliens though or alien the first one um, and that's about it really in the long run uh, so I, I like how strange reality is I don't think you have to go past it you know here I am preaching you know don't you dare go to, to science fiction. That's stupid. Isn't that stupid? But, you know, you get passionate about your own thing, and you say, well, why don't I cross that line and enjoy these things that other people enjoy? You know, why do I have to make an issue about how it's not so good? You know? that's so. I mean, I don't like opera, but I, I'm going to, like, ruin it for people who love Mozart opera. You know, I love Mozart, but I don't like, you know, Don Giovanni, you know, as an opera. Let's say Whatever As if I've seen A lot of operas But it's the same thing About having a Sensory overkill You know Because mm-hmm. here we are Listening to music Watching acting Seeing stage setups It's like Whoa Where do I stop You know Where do I start You know That kind of thing So so I, I like that Kind of You know Segregation of, of the arts That they have They pull from each other But they don't um, Absorb each other So that's really Very uncontemporary of me and very uncool in the York <laughs> you know Matthew Barney etc you know
2: you're going to get your leather jacket taken away
1: yeah right <laughs> exactly right yeah so yeah so you know so it's 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 kind of like okay I can make do with these these few survival tools I have in the middle of the forest you know my pencil and my paper I can make a world out of that you know
2: and is this what you refer is this kind of linking to where, where you refer yourself as being conservative
1: yeah, this, one could say that, but I, but I think it's that part of me saves me from trying to be over over cool. You know, the, the cool part of me, which is more radical, I'd say, uh, really functions better in art, not in, in any kind of other um, environment. You know, like well, in music too, I think. You know, because I I still play the saxophone, and I and I'm glad that it's. Challenging me still, you know, because it makes me do that in the art. I mean, I'm much more radical in my music than I am in my art. I want to be caught up with that more. But, but the the conservative side of me is what I got to fight all the time in, in my art. In the real life, uh, people would think me I'm, I'm a little bit freaky, you know. Not, a, not. I don't mean demonstratively, but you know, I, I live in a certain kind of like. Um, that way, <laughs> 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 among all my junk and everything, you know, I would be considered eccentric. Yes, I'm, I'm, I accept that.
2: That's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I think uh, I think that's kind of a prerequisite to being uh, a cartoonist.
1: I agree.
2: I, I'm sure Chris Ware has the. He, he does have. We all know a mass collection of oddities, and same with Seth. And um, I'm sure Spiegelman has the most finely uh, displayed collection of comics that one could ever imagine. And
1: yeah, you know, no, no, I, you know, I, I definitely agree that you know the creative instinct is is there. Sometimes it's exposed as you know outside of you as well. I mean, like you can, you know, I, I, I wear I wear radical looking. Shirts that say you know, but but I don't act that way. It's my way of saying yeah. I may not act that way, but look inside of me, there is this shirt. It's <laughs> 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 like really wild, wacky, Jam's World shirt. You know that's just painted. You know, and um, and it's actually affected my my new art right now. My my Jam's World collection of shirts. Um, so there it is again. The the, the collector becomes the creator.
2: No. Nope. Let's just jump into a little bit of Jack Survives itself, because okay. we've gone well over an hour now without really talking mm. about the content, which is uh, interesting, right. which I'm really enjoying. Um, you've said that it is about your father, but it isn't. Right? Is that a kind of way of going about it?
1: Yeah, it's 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 really me. Uh, uh, I think in that in the complete sense, I, I was able to say this that um, the, the true nature of, of my better understanding of Jack uh, is that the good side of my nature would be my father, you know, and the other side would be not a bad side, but a different side, not not a social side, you know. Uh, like I said before, I'm a loner. My father wasn't a loner, you know, kind of thing, and that um, uh, the things that I have Jack go through, he's usually alone, you know, and so the 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 concept is you know why is this man alone you know like i would think uh it's a natural thing for me to be alone but it's not natural for someone who is like a socialized person to be alone so mm-hmm. uh so this would freak my father out completely i mean in real life because he was such a gregarious you know nice man uh and i am you know different that way so so i have him in a environment where he doesn't have a really um close connection with his family you know they, they appear every once in a while but it's not like you know um it's like like dagwood and blondie kind of thing you know? yeah like, there's no like
2: no falls
1: yep yeah, exactly <laughs> and there's no you know everyday event to happen there's a, even though every, everything is, is so common it's it's you know another perspective on it or entirely different thing for him to have happen. And most of them happen, have happened to me. There's only one thing in, in the whole book that is actually based on my father, which is a pretty eccentric thing. And it's, there's a strip where I have my father, or Jack, saying, uh, I have to get a new sole, which had to do with, he had a hole in his shoe, and his wife said, well, my, my shoe, my mother, let's say, said, uh, my, shoe, my shoes need uh, fixing, too. So he puts him in a bag, and he walks down the street, and he makes a comment about he how he hates to carry bags. And then the bag rips open, and, and these woman's pumps come out in front of a truck, mm-hmm. you know, like which is male. It's a male problem right there. You know, what's he doing? What's this guy doing walking around? With, you know. Anyway, uh, that that's how he perceived it. Um, and the way it's based on my father is that my mother told me that when he would go to work, uh, she would have to pack. You know, the Sandwich in a brown paper bag, so that he put it into his Suit coat pocket, so he wouldn't be seen carrying a bag <laughs> <laughs> right I mean, and I go what <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that so there there's a very strange thing about my father, I would say, but that's the only one everything else is my observations and my experience, like the one where he wakes up and he can't answer the phone because his arms are asleep, the so dead meat, yeah. That's a total experience of mine, where when I was uh, just trying to get magazine illustrations to do, the phone rang, and I was asleep in bed because it was 10 in the morning, and I'm a night person, I mean, I work at night, and, uh, and, uh, and I answered the phone. I went to answer the phone, and my arms were asleep, and I knocked the phone off the receiver. Finally, I could pick it up without my fingers tingling and it was a call from Seventeen Magazine that they had a job for me to do. You know, my first actual magazine job, and I go, okay, I'll be in. And I hung up the phone, I fell back asleep. I woke up and said, wow, what a crazy dream I just had. (laughs) Then I thought, was this a dream or not? You know, so I was living in Brooklyn, so I thought, well, I gotta drag my tail over there, so I did. I went, you know, into Manhattan and went to Seventeen, and sure enough, they had a job for me. So there was something connected to that, you know, dead meat arm thing that was my experience, not my father's, and and that's true with all of them, you know, except for that one. The,
2: the, there's an idea I get of um, in Jack survives, of being like lost within the the character's surroundings,
1: mm-hmm.
2: where he's kind of a you know in there, but doesn't really have a place.
1: Right, like trying to buy a cup of coffee and not saying the right words. Yeah. And the Indian says certain words until he knows to say those words to get his coffee. Yeah, that's sort of that's me in New York City. Right? Like you're talking about that person in Toronto. Yeah. That's me in New York City. I'm I'm you know, I'm never going to be a New Yorker. I've been here 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean I don't know if that's a very strange tale From New York I think it's probably more common Than, you know Than will be admitted But uh, It's not that I don't want to be I just Would live this way If I was in Binghamton too You know Yeah I mean like The great thing is The energy is in the air And I could, you know Walk to some very exciting place So The
2: whole city is exciting
1: Exactly So it's like You don't have to participate It's It's part of your Environment You know In a sense Or you can you know, and I, I like the fact that I'm on the fourth floor. I don't even hear the sounds in the city. Um, it's like a, it's like a times lost here. People come by sometimes and visit, and they lose time here. <laughs> right? They go, Jesus, I had no idea. <laughs> it was so late.
2: Are you in Manhattan proper? Or yeah,
1: right in the middle, 28th Street, right in midtown. Wow. You know, yeah, right in the middle of everything. You know, I'm, not, I'm like, you know, a few. Blocks away from Madison Square Garden. Empire State Building, you can see from my roof. I'm on the top floor.
2: There's a g- I went to a comic store across the street for the Empire State Building. Hanley's. Yeah.
1: Uh, so Patrick's here today. He's doing a signing at Hanri- Hanley's.
2: Ah, okay. Well, there we go. It's a fine comic store. I bought a stack of undergrounds there because yeah. they don't make their way up to Canada very easily. We have these mean border guards. Um one interesting technique we were talking earlier about the the word balloons is um, also how you squish them up or chop up the dialogue Mm -hmm. which I find really interesting like where did that idea come from
1: well I I think uh, non-punctuation and and short abrupt things come from Ernie Bushmiller to some degree Uh, but otherwise I I just do what I can you know I mean it's sort of I'm a word. I'm a, I'm a picture person, and then words explain it. I think the best example would be Life magazine back when I was young a kid, and I still have a complete collection, which I read and now I throw away because, you know, the rest of my life. Why am I collecting this still? I mean, I already got the collection. I'm now reading it, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, what that means to me is that the experience was to to first see the picture because life magazine was all pictures and then there'd be captions underneath the picture now if you like the picture you read the caption if you don't care about the picture you just go to the next page you know so there is this like picture to word relationship it's the picture first and then the the caption second so the minimum amount of words uh is my my way of of keeping that that order because i'm not a writer i'm you know I'm amazed if someone th- e- even puts out on me, or even a poet, because I'm not good at poetry. I'm, I, I never read the New Yorker poems, you know, so that's sort of gives me away, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't that's even okay. try. I don't care if it's <laughs> Ashby or who, I, 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 I'm not going to read it. <laughs>
2: I'm not a poetry fan.
1: It's just sort of like, you know, it's like stultified language. It's, just, it's sort of like modern dance. <laughs> Don't do that, please, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) It's sort of like, you know, can we talk right now or, you know, it's sort of, you know. But yes, but the condition of poetry is really vital. That is a fact. I love the condition of poetry, which is to present the situation, this is my take on it, that allows the reader to fill in the, the blanks with their lives, you know, mm-hmm. that their lives fill in those spaces. That I really appreciate, and that is poetry, you know. Um, there's, uh, I'm trying to think of this guy's name now. Well, there's a poem that, that begins, uh, the the crack in the ca- in the teacup uh, was a lane to the land of the dead. Now I was reading that when I was particularly depressed, and I'm thinking, oh my god, you know. That's how I felt, you know, like, like something really small could make me want to commit suicide. No, I'm not that way. I mean, you know, but but just feel like, God, you know, this is really, and my, and my coffee cup is cracked. Oh, my God. You know? <laughs> so, so there's that. And I don't even know if, if he meant that.
2: Yeah, because so. I get something completely different out of that.
1: Yeah. I, I, know.
2: I see it as kind of like uh what's the story behind the crack?
1: There you go. And there you go. Now, that's
2: the history and ancestry. And
1: there you go. See, now that's the that's condition of poetry. I, You know, I definitely like that. I mean, I don't mind that people see my work back when I was young. I used to think, if they didn't get exactly what I meant, then, you know, either they're fools or I fail, one or the other. Uh, now, now, when people misunderstand stuff from my perspective, it has legs. That's what it says to me. You know, mm-hmm. it means it has a human condition that can be absorbed by more than just people that experience my life you know so so uh, even though i say this it sounds like you know it's it is kind of intellectual heresy you know to not, to not like poetry uh, <laughs> or or to prefer not to read it <laughs> it doesn't mean i don't like it i like its idea you know i like i like its effort i like its it's different from from pros, let's say. Yeah, it, that I definitely like. And the same with, with opera. One would have to say, I'm really glad they tried to do that, but I ain't gone. <laughs> 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 and the same with painting, and the same with whatever. You know, mm-hmm. you, all, you find. We have all our it. interests. Yeah. Well, well, that's the point. Is that 99 like of everything sucks anyway. So it's that one percent we're all trying to find out. You know, and I've said this before um, to other people. So me sound redundant or like, oh, there it goes again. Uh, but but the point is like, 99 percent of music sucks, right? But that one percent is so good, it is it's vital. But it's not the same one percent for you as it is for me. No. And but the thing with painting and 99 percent of painting sucks. 99 percent of illustration sucks. 99 percent of comics sucks. That one percent <laughs> of painting that 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 is good is usually given the credit that um, is a hundred percent you know that one percent is enough to diminish the 99% that sucks but the one percent of comics that's good is never put into the same category as the one percent of painting that's good no. so always like well comics are judged on a 99% that sucks right? well I
2: mean it's I mean, it gets into the whole realm of and, and I I want to be careful in terms like it's not not highbrow lowbrow because I hate that yeah. context it really frustrates me but it is that aesthetic that intellectualized that elitist I don't know how to put it but
1: yeah well it's you know it's a, it's a western historic yeah, western tradition western cultural um,
2: it's, know, it's 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 place in pop narrative maybe
1: in, in place of what
2: it, it's it has a place within pop narrative
1: oh yeah yeah oh w- well, I, I would be accused of being an artsy-fartsy comic guy, you know. <laughs> like, okay, I guess I have to express myself in another way then, you know. Whatever. I mean, you do what you would, what what. My reason for comics being so vital is just what I said. I'm I'm totally jealous of movies and music because they have time and motion, and so I try to do that with my my art, my comics, my my paintings which are now you know three panel paintings uh because i want to have a beginning a middle and an end or at least they have control of the viewer's eyes i mean there's something you learn how to read comics without knowing you learn how to read it yeah it's so natural to go up the left hand corner read across you have a comic brain you know like you're born with a comic brain isn't that amazing (sighs) you know that one balloon overlaps another that first one is the one talking first <laughs> believe it right <laughs> but I
2: still come across comics where people still don't understand that
1: <laughs> yeah isn't that something but you know to me it's it's like uh, why not you know it's a visual means to express an idea uh, that is understood by not only you but other people to some degree you know and you know the fact that it was like relegated to you know back rooms and things for a while is, is just it's it's sort of like porn you know it's kind of like don't like it you know it's a guilty pleasure or whatever you know and porn has given so much to our lives you know? <laughs> <laughs> i mean i i i love the fact that porn is so radical you know the idea that it's you know it's not a conservative concern you know or <laughs> it is a conservative and it's concern. It's
2: highly conservative concern.
1: <laughs> I know. But, so so there's something really the existence is a concern. Good to say about porn. You know that has to do with it's um. It's visceral and true human values without it being preachy about
2: it. Well, that's what I really enjoy about, say, someone like Burroughs getting back to the beat stuff for you is like, um, and I was trying to explain this once to my cousin. You just couldn't get why I love this kind of thing where it's pushing an envelope. It's saying stuff you don't want to hear and Mm -hmm. it's increasing the dialogue and um, it's really, it's causing trouble. It's creating new arguments and,
1: and
2: it's honest. It's honest. Yeah. You I know?
1: I, I mean, someone that does that in a phony way, uh, it reveals them immediately, I think. You know, when you, you have phony punks and phony whatever, um, there's nothing more uncool than that, you know? <laughs> I mean, if, if if the goal is cool, I, I don't know if that's true anymore. I mean, I hope it's not, but I'm I'm sure I'm left with it, whatever. But, um, you know... It, there's nothing more revealing than, you know, be, being, you know, when I finally realized I was not an abstract artist by virtue of the paintings, I mean, there was no way for me to continue doing it. But my Jams World shirts, uh, they, they give me abstraction in context. <laughs> mm mm-hmm. Ever seen these Jams World shirts, Hawaiian shirts? No. Oh, I mean, I get them on eBay all the time, and uh, they're <laughs> unbelievable. Um, they're painted shirts. They're on rayon, you know. Oh, okay. And and they they aren't paintings of palm trees, you know. Though some of them are. The ones that are more realistic are the ones that are more boring, you know. The ones that are like you you, you may think it's a palm tree, but it's not, or it's trying to be one, and it's failing um they're they're i mean they're just amazing in bright colors they're i don't know how they are able to reproduce those bright colors um it, on, on on rayon but i can hang them on my wall i mean i literally have like maybe a hundred of them now um hang them on my wall and just have an abstract orgy i mean <laughs> but you know what they are they're a shirt yeah and, and they're in the shape of a shirt that's a realistic concept or or context you know it's, it's a shirt i mean the, the shirts aren't weird looking they're really straightforward you know regular collars no epaulettes or you know weird extra stuff going on they got buttons down the front and there is shirt and you hang them on a wall it's a shirt hanging on a wall but it's totally abstract on it you know so if you put a face on that shirt You know, well painted, realistic face, I would hate that shirt. Yeah. You know, because I don't want a realistic face on my shirts, you know, or whatever. Whatever you have. You know, put a car on it, I'd still hate it. Put a horse on it, I'd still hate it. You know, Um, but an abstraction on a shirt is just brilliant. (laughs) Am I making sense?
2: Yeah, no. uh, My my girlfriend is in uh, textile arts, Uh, so it's something I actually see quite a lot.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
2: Um, just but like playing with the dyes and the images. and
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, just check out Jam's World. Um, it's made in Hawaii and everything, and uh, it's not about its authenticity, because it, it just is a nice-looking shirt. I mean, most of them are, of course, back to that 99% thing, but that 1% is just amazing, you know, and... And my paintings now look like shirts. I've got to believe, you know... The, 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 the It's just released my color. It's released a whole bunch of stuff that, um, you know, my, my context is the same. It's that Sally character now. That's,
2: well, that's what I want to jump into next, uh-huh. is the world of Sally.
1: Well, Sally came about when I reached... Um, when the year 2000 happened, uh, I'd reached... Uh, the 50th anniversary of my puberty. I was 62, you know. So I was, my puberty was at age 12, which was, let's say, 1950, exactly 1950. So I decided I want to relive my puberty, you know. And like my father, when I reached the age, I remember my father for the first time. That's when the Jack stuff started. You know, like I was 40 and my father, at the age of 40, I would have been two years old. So I remember him, kind of visually probably the earliest one when i was 40 and that's when i started the jack stuff so i started the sally stuff when i turned 62 and it it was then i thought well i don't want to be a 12 year old boy i want to be a 12 year old girl and i thought well that's that's kinky i mean that's really wacko you know then i thought wait why not you know because i can re-experience it now in a different you know, from a different perspective because I'm not going to do it the way my I would have done it if I was a boy, you know, like I did do it. So, uh, I began to imagine what a 12-year-old girl would experience in 1950, you know, just like pre-Playboy, pre, you know, it's no one talked about, you know, this this transformation into puberty. Uh, when I was a boy, they didn't, you know, like, it was like a shock. It's mm-hmm. like, whoa, what the hell is this, you know? This is, Good or bad or what? You know, it's back to the Justin Green, you know, Catholic Church thing. Um, and uh, but now I, I have her as a, um, a a girl in a Catholic outfit, almost. You know, she has a blue skirt on, and a white blouse on, and, and brown loafers on. And uh, she's very innocent, and she looks like she got that really short hair, close, to, you know, kind of June Allison hairdo, you know, from early nineteen fifties very small hair. You know, it's very funny because the guys had big hair and the girls had small hair. You know, we had duck's ass and all that other stuff. You know, I had pompadours and and, um, whatever, you know. And the girls had this, like, very close to the head cut, you know, with a little spit curl in front. And that was the look, you know. And um, so I have her. And when I started doing her, I I was going to call her uh, Patty, which is my sister's name and she sort of modeled after her kind of innocence. And when I mentioned to her on the phone, I was going to call it Patty's puberty, she just said, Oh, Jerry, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know what that means?
2: (laughs) In the way (laughs) only a sister can.
1: Yeah, right. And you go, Okay, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because I'm this wild and woolly guy in New York, you know, who works for girly magazines and stuff, so she's got a complete different take on what I'm going to do, but nonetheless, I just said, okay, I won't do that. And then I realized I'd never met a Sally in my whole life, you know? I have no preconceived notion of what Sally means, you know? So I said, Sally's it, and Sally's Surprise was the name, like Jack survives and Sally's Surprise. I like the alliteration of the two of them. And, um, and the surprise was her puberty yeah and uh, so now we have this completely innocent complete opposite of Jack I love things in opposites you know that Jack is this middle-aged guy male responsible with the family to whatever and here we have this like you know 12-year-old girl female what is that going to bring out of me you know unbelievable I mean there's a whole world of of or or less maleness in me And, and maybe in most guys you know that it's not that I understand the female at all I mean in me or that I even have that aspect but I have a less male me in me you know that that, you know uh, isn't so big on on war and all the other stuff that the male me loves to death you know uh, um, I, I've never was a fighter or anything but you know I'm always ready to fight somebody <laughs> you know what I mean like uh, I've sort of got that my my testosterone is running out anyway but nonetheless it's still there and it's always was there my whole life but I never was in like you know bar brawls and shit like that but nonetheless you know it's always on the edge of possibilities and uh, and and the less male me was probably the art me to begin with you know it was sort of like this is not a male profession from the perspective of the super male me you know what I'm saying that mm-hmm. kind of like, like actors have said that you know like this was not a man's job to be an actor or whatever and not that I had any other credentials that would go along with that but there's, you know, kind of like this try to be regular and being an artist that's sort of like, is that a possible can you juggle that all together in one place and so so I was having these, not, not big identity problems, but I, I wasn't, you know realizing that I was accessing for my art this more female or less male me you know one would have to say then maybe it's more female but it wasn't but it's just less male so Sally sort of liberated that more you know so now I'm using stronger colors and, and I'm uh, you know I'm, I'm trying to see it through her eyes you know the the concept of something to do with writing where the character starts to talk before before the writer talks you know that the, that the character has has a, a voice and mm-hmm. starts to express things contrary to your own you know uh, going into thoughts and so that's what Sally's done, Sally's opened up that that world, now I'm having her meet Pinboy and Pinboy was me when I was a kid, I used to set pins in a bowling alley, there used to be people back there that you have to set up those pins in a bowling alley didn't have machines doing it, they had this automatic, um, out of rack it was a mechanical machine, it wasn't like an automatic machine and you had a set it down and then would line up the pins standing up and then you pick it up again and then you when they knock down the first ball you have to put the pins in the rack where it wouldn't you know where the pins would have been then the next time you pick up the rest of the pins and put them in and then put the and then send the ball back and then the bowler would throw the ball at you again so you're, you're sort of like a mythos-sisyphus, you know, in, in a bowling alley. <laughs> so a sadistic relationship, because the other side of that was that these are all proletariats throwing balls at you, another proletariat, you know, another worker, <laughs> worker bee, as opposed to being a, uh, you know, a caddy on a golf course, you know, which is like another Republican, you know, hanging out with another Republican, you know, just to, to talk business in the daylight. I mean, bowling alleys were always nighttime things, you know, and always like... From the other side of the track kind of world and and winos and you know um, fugitives and all kinds of people were back there as pin boys and you 'd be a grown man and and you 'd be called a pin boy you know <laughs> and and so I had this guy who used to be said these set of alleys um, that were he was an old guy he was like in his sixties and he was a coal miner previously, he had all these blue dots on him like quig-quig, you know that that um, came from being in coal mine explosions mm-hmm. and things. That he got tattooed by black coal into his body and parts of fingers gone. And you go, how can he even pick up these pins? I mean, it's just like, amazing. So I've, I made this character called Pinboy out of him. And and he gets hit in the head with a pin and then Sally comes flying out of his head, you know, because she has been locked in his body for 50 years. And it's a new strip that's, that's based on, on the relationship of him staying in the bowling alley while she leaves the bowling alley she goes out into the real world which is what my art does i stay here and it's like you know this place i live in for the past 45 years um and my art goes out into the world and sally goes out into the world and you know i've had her do a lot of stuff so it's 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 kind of a nice way to say sally is my art sally is me and Pinboy is me and you know it's uh, me as an older man um me as an old man not an older man but an old man and it's kind of fun because it's it's opened up a whole new way to express my actual you know present condition uh, you know how do you talk about being an old person without just being redundant to, to all the other crap you know and I like being an old person you know I, I, I don't That's like an... old people but I like being an old person because <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm in good health so you know there's no big problem there and and the other thing is, because of the computer, I got a computer when I was, you know, maybe seven years ago. I can't, I can't tell you what that done for my brain. I mean, just amazing what it's opened up in my head. Okay, it's a... gotta go. Okay, see, you, Patrick. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, right. Well, Patrick gotta leave. You know, he has this book signing, so it was. You know, uh, it was just like I don't have any visitors at all. <laughs> you know? So today, you know, we even put this off from not doing it on on next Tuesday, but uh, you know, it's just bizarre <laughs> that this, this should happen. I just love the universe. It just does weird crap like this all the
2: time. Well I, what time's it signing at? Six, five?
1: Yeah. It, <laughs> uh, Oh yeah, probably at four thir- it's
2: at four thirty actually. Oh yeah, so he's starting in fifteen minutes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, you know, like you said, the Hamley's is around the corner
2: here, so mm-hmm. Well we'll got probably another fifteen to go here. And okay. I got a I have another show to do today. Mm-hmm. Um one thing I was mentioning earlier, the whole my whole thing about the connection with Justin Green, um, with the Sally stuff is it's like very it's the same point in a character's taunt in in their life Mm -hmm. but Sally is more about innocence and Justin Green is about like innocence being awareness and innocence being stripped away
1: yeah right yeah I I I will keep just like Jack I will keep the innocence uh, intact because I think in, in a sense I'm still that not really but I don't expose myself to professionalism or or careerism or any other responsible things I guess innocence is another way of saying that's responsibility not irresponsibility because once I'm given a, a thing to do I do it to death I mean it was one of the bad things about being an illustrator is that once an art director gave me a job to do my life belonged to them until the job was done I mean they didn't demand that but that's how I perceive you know something expected of me if I take it on I belong to that, you know, you, uh, whatever that is that, that has uh, made it happen. Like when I teach, I'm super responsible there. I mean, it's a, it's a hangout thing for me too, but I'm definitely there to do what I'm supposed to do, and, and I become responsible. But mostly uh, I avoid responsibility any way possible. You know, so so it's, it, it, as opposed to... And so I think that's a form of innocence, um, or, or or trying to maintain it. I mean, if I got to deal with, with reality uh, and be responsible, I, I will. I have no doubts I'll do it. But I will avoid it as much as I can. You know, <laughs> otherwise I'd have like ten kids by now, and you know, been married more than once. I was married once, but you know, uh, I'd have been through a few others by now. But um, uh, as it is, I. Uh, i have sally living in a kind of like non-adult world even though it is an adult world and that's sort of where i live where i think maybe justin is really settling issues here you know Mm -hmm. he's he's saying yes you know and this is what i feel about that I, i don't think i settle any issues whatsoever i just present the argument or the condition and and the issue never gets settled. There's no revenge, even though I, I'm a completely vengeful person. I mean, I think art is the ultimate revenge. You know, if it, if I'm successful, that will that will please me only because it's revenge. You know. <laughs> so at the age of seventy-one, I don't think I, I have much uh, chance of that happening. But you know, this is as close as I got. My Jack book, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm cool with that. You know. Because I, I I'm a fan of pop culture. I, I mean, I I love all its you know you know nastiness and stuff as well. I mean, I, I definitely have I haven't upgraded myself. You know, completely contemporary. There's certain things like I, I can't deal with, but but mostly um, I live in a fantasy world of this interview. You know, I've had fantasy interviews in my head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and. and and the world has said yes in fact you're brilliant you know
2: (laughs) (laughs) I wish that every day yeah
1: (laughs) just wait. and tell me I'm
2: brilliant yeah
1: yeah, you did a good thing and you're brilliant and of course that's um, by now I should have had you know this should be my retrospective years you know (laughs) Oh yes, the Museum of Modern Art on the phone. Yeah, do you have time? Well, after I hang up on the Guggenheim, maybe I'll have time for mm-hmm. the Museum of Modern Art. <laughs> right. Well, how did? How is that ever going to happen? You know, in in a world of of uh, me being a urban recluse, you know, mm. uh, or or whatever I I uh, how I deal with society. You know, it's just not going to happen and, and we're not even talking about whether my work's any, any good or not no <laughs> it's not even that part it's that that
2: gregarious activity of shaking well, hands and
1: well it's just, it's just I'm not I don't even go to my own openings you know I, 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 Art put put together a show for me at this this gallery called Q which is beautiful because I didn't have to sell anything you know you mm-hmm. can have a show and not sell anything because they they were living off of grants and stuff not sales of things but i'm realistic to know to have a gallery one they have to pay the rent of course you know and, and the reality is they're not going to not show or they're not going to show someone who doesn't sell things that's ridiculous and and of course it's ridiculous um so my option was not to even you know deal with that but when art had the was asked you know, to rep- recommend somebody, he'd recommend to me. I mean, it's... Uh, Art and Chris, both of them, are, are this rare, but one and, and Ben Carter too. Uh, this rare... Um, maybe not rare, but at least for me, uh, I, I, an artist who will give away their creative energies. I mean, Art got behind this show and did tons of work, you know, for, for my show. And, and Chris has just been unbelievably... Generous with his his energy and his time—that is being stolen from their art. Yeah, you know, and to give it to another artist. I mean,
2: you know what's interesting though is like, art had previously done that for Chris too, though. Yeah. We're like, here's this young kid out of nowhere in Texas publishing stuff in raw. Right. So it, it, it turns around.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but but the real people that would do it. Uh, I, I, I say it as if it happens often, and it doesn't. I don't think, at least it hasn't to me. Uh, that's when I, when that Ted Rawl thing happened in the Village Voice about Art being his godfather. Yeah. Figure, I was incensed. I mean, I, I didn't write the voice because I knew it would be like just among all the other letters. I wrote Art, you know, said this, and I, I was in tight with Art. I mean, you know, I don't hang out with him. I don't hang out with these people, um, or anybody for that matter. But uh, the idea was. Th- this was could there be anything more wrong I mean more completely ridiculous the one person who's who's given time and energy to other artists as well as his work etc uh, that's time energy taken away from from himself and, th- and to be affronted by that um.
2: and Ted Rawls a crappy cartoonist
1: yeah well <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean I used to like glance in, pass in the voice he used to glance past his work and you know, occasionally read it, but then I I couldn't even look at it, you know. Um, after that, because of its its you know, I guess it awakens all the, the jealousies we all have anyway. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's why I, I don't want to be reminded of all the jealousy I have by by reading this crap about you know an artist talking about another artist in a right. negative way. And here I am doing the same thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all all I'll say is, I'm friends with Danny Hellman. <laughs>
1: oh okay and, and he's, he was the one that got sued right Yeah. yeah there you go so so you know I mean he went that far I mean that's 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 how far people were willing to go because of the altruism of Art Spiegelman you know Yeah. and then Chris says, I mean Chris has just been unbelievably supportive for me I mean and I respect his work so much I mean it's it's, it's the same with Art uh what do you do with that? I mean, you just feel, oh my God, I, I, you know, you want to want to do something, and um, it's just, it's nice to know that there are heroes, you know? Yeah. I'm a hero freak. I, I just like heroes. Please give me some more heroes, you know? Where's Derek Jeter, you know, I'm not even a baseball fan, but, you know, Derek Jeter is, you know, he's a hero, he's the right, everything's together, right? He's a hero. And, you know, um, Chris Ware, to me, is a hero.
2: You it's know. a good hero to have
1: yeah, yeah i and I think he's you know he's he's got all the things you want to have in a, in hero, and he's got his human side too, which is i don't know what that is yet, but um it's it, tragic it, yeah, that side you know i I know what his human side is. it's it's everything I know about him now, um and he's got a family i mean he and he does all that work and uh and gives away his energy, just. You know, <laughs> for
2: him. he is by far one of the most important active cartoonists right now I think so and I, think I his really his do him and uh, him and are my two uh, big ones for most recent who's book it? who's there? oh yeah M-
1: Ma-
2: your, your colleague Ma- David Mazzuchelli I'd yeah I, him. he's not
1: my colleague I don't no? know him but oh I important. thought
2: he taught at SVA oh no I think he was it RISD maybe I can't remember I thought he taught there for a while
1: Matt What's his name again?
2: David Mazzuchelli?
1: Yeah, I know the name, and, it, and he could have gone SVA, but I didn't, you know, I uh, don't know him.
2: Yeah, I just thought he taught there. I can't remember, though.
1: Oh, well, even there, th- that's yeah. even more of a reason why I wouldn't know him, because <laughs> I never go to faculty meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I never show up to you That's You didn't <laughs> realize you are really talking to a, a, an eccentric, isolated guy <laughs> 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 who, who prefers it that way.
2: You know what, though? I'm kind of the same way sometimes. Yeah. It's, uh, I spent my vacation um, on the couch. There you go. <laughs> so, um, I think we're at the uh, end of our time slot. I've got to go get ready for the next show. Okay. Um, but I really appreciate all the time you took with me, Jerry. This is fantastic.
1: Well, I loved it too, Robin. It's
2: Talk no. about myself I, I can't think of a better thing to do. <laughs> it's true It's true I, was, uh, <laughs> I had uh, Paul Karasik on a couple weeks ago And he, he was the opposite I, I don't want to talk about myself But I got him going for over an hour And it was fun uh-huh. So Thank you so much
1: Well thank you Robin and and wh- When do you think this will be on? I've got
2: to it uh, Oh yeah Actually that's a couple things I'm going to be posting it on Thursday mm-hmm. One week today And I will need music requests from you
1: well, if you could have uh, Jameel Moondog's uh, New World Pygmies.
2: Tell you what. I'll, s- I'll need a... Uh, yeah. Send me an email or I'll send you an email um, and we'll work out the details there. Okay. Because I don't know how to spell the name and yeah. uh, it's just okay. easier when I have the emails when I'm editing. Okay. So enjoy the... Are you going to go to to Hanley's now?
1: You know, I probably should. That's... I'm glad you reminded me that's, <laughs> that's the right thing to, to do <laughs> you're right because the poor bastard sat here like all his time
2: No, I feel bad
1: <laughs> well no he shouldn't no really I mean it's it's just like one of those strange things
2: mm. just well he's a he's a fantastic cartoonist <laughs> oh there's a so. sweet
1: guy too I mean like I said uh, you just, you just need that reassurance to meet people that are like that and, and there's so many of them in, in the comics world it's just I don't know. It's human. That's what I think. That the, that's the word. It's human. There's there's the, the benefits aren't aren't like some kind of cultural uh, hierarchy as we were talking about before. It's not, it's not like history book stuff, though. It probably is. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's new enough and fresh enough now that all these good minds are going to it. You know, it's like when the good minds go there. That's it's it's almost like what happened with monks, psychological art in 1890s and whatever and then picasso comes in with cubism and everybody says oh let's go over there and all the good minds leave all that amazing stuff you know answer and, and, and monk and they run over to to you know cubism and next thing you know you know everyone forgets about the expressionist people that were so amazing um and i think that's that's what's what comics is it's, it's almost like I'm more proud to say I'm a cartoonist than say I'm a painter, so I say paint-tunist and I, I got it covered.
2: Best of both worlds.
1: I got yeah, uh, well, uh, and I'm more inclined to say cartoonist, <laughs> 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 you know, and dump the painting side. And if I, you know, twenty-five or thirty years ago, it would have been completely reversed.
2: Yeah, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with being a cartoonist.
1: No, of course not. I mean, the, the comics I, are comics. But it, but it says you're doing it for reasons. I mean, originally, uh, I was doing it for reasons of, of doubt, of why am I doing this? Am I crazy? I, I didn't dream to be a cartoonist. You know, I dreamt to be a painter, you know. And that was how I felt when I was even doing the early raw stuff. And um, when I looked, <coughs> looked back at it <coughs> later, I realized the first original art that I ever did was Jack. I could end your whole interview right there. There we go.
2: That That is the perfect note to end on. Thank you so much, Jerry.
1: Okay, Robin. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye.
2: That was Jerry Moriarty. Uh, his book is The Complete Jack Survives, as well as you can find his work in Kramer's Ergot, Book 6, Book 7, and uh, Comic Art, Number 9. Um, really fabulous article in that. And uh, so much good stuff. Um, thanks, Jerry. And, uh, keep listening, folks.
0: Thank you.